0: for our second hour roundtable on America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiadis, More talking truth about America.
1: And welcome back to America Can We Talk. If you're just tuning in, we had a fabulous guest the first hour, Chris Gobatz, who is the uh, vice president of UTT, Understanding the Threat, and his, he spoke about his experience of going underground um, and posing as a, a convert to Islam in a mosque and with care in uh, Virginia in 2007. And I want to mention a couple of things that he will say. I began reading the book Muslim Mafia that is about this experience. You know, he will say not all Muslims have this goal of civilization jihad. He described it very well. If you didn't hear the interview, I just cannot urge you strongly enough. We post all of our interviews um, on org on my website there. Uh, we, can, we we post them. They're actually available on iTunes and on SoundCloud and on YouTube, on the America can We Talk channel. But this interview with Chris Galbats is a very, very important interview. Um, thing to actually understand firsthand. He's not speculating about what happens behind closed doors and mosques or at meetings of CARE, which is a Hamas Muslim Brotherhood-related terrorist organization. That's what CARE is. It is not a peaceful uh, organization designed to encourage people to understand better about Islam. Anyway, uh, I urge you to listen to that interview, and but understand, he would not say all Muslims uh, have this goal, but that the goal that he described and the way that he was trained when he went uh, he posed as someone converting to Islam, this is what the imams, the teachers, the leaders of the Islamic movement in America are teaching. Another thing we didn't even get to was there's a book that's in virtually every mosque in America, certainly the Quran is, but also another book called The Tafsir. and. In very short summary, it gives rules for people who are, it, it's like the rule book. And one thing that's in there that is just vital to understand, in fact, when you hear presentations by understanding the threat, they'll, they'll quote, they'll have someone from the audience read from the book, and it says, among other extremely alarming things, it is the duty of every devout Muslim to engage in jihad, to, to engage in, uh, to... Seek Sharia supremacism and to engage in jihad to kill or convert the infidel. It's not, it's, I'm not saying every Muslim does this, most don't, but what, but the people who do engage in that are following the teachings and the mission of the Muslim Brotherhood and the core teachings of Islam. Okay, enough of that. But it is one of the things we talk about preserving America. You have to understand that threat. Well, I, this is the top of the second hour. It's a short segment, now. I've made it even shorter, but. Because I don't have a show two hours a day, which I would love to have someday, it's only two hours a week, um, I, I do a cruise through the news segment, and I just hit some top stories. I'd love to talk about more, but I'll just I'll just tease you with them and encourage you to go to our website, org. Go to my Facebook page, America Can We Talk. We post stories about these things, but... One story that was just truly amazing, Apple, the big company, um, Apple, had a diversity chief, a woman, a black woman, very pretty woman, named Denise Young Smith. She was named vice president of diversity and inclusion in May of this year, 2017, and she has stepped down as of the end of the year. And she's stepping down. Uh, as a result of pressure because of statements she made. Here her job is vice president of diversity and inclusion, and she made a statement at a conference in, uh, called One Young World Summit in Bogota, Colombia, and her statement that was just outrageously could not be accepted by the culture of Apple was this. There can be 12 white, blue-eyed, blonde men in a room, and they're going to be diverse too, Because they're going to bring a different life experience and life perspective to the conversation diversity is the human experience I get a little frustrated when diversity or the term diversity is tagged to the people of color or the women or the LGBT what she's saying is you know to use my best friend in law school's expression of PGO pointed glimpse into the obvious she's saying that skin color and gender do not dictate thinking That's all she's saying, that there's diversity, actually, even with people with all the same background and, you know, apparent background of ethnicity or race. But but they can be very diverse based on their viewpoints. This was what led to outrage at Apple. She can't say that all white people don't think alike. She can't say that. She can't say that. She can't even acknowledge that diversity in thought matters. In fact, it's the most important kind of diversity. Diversity of opinion, of thought, of viewpoints matters much more than race or ethnicity. But she got forced out of her job. She's been at Apple for 20 years or something like that 18 or 20 years, forced out of her job for saying that not all white people think alike. That's what she said. Pretty darn egregious. Ridiculous. Hey, another story I wanted to hit in this cruise through the news, and now I'm only getting this is probably the only other story I'll get to hit. I had like seven ready, but um, these three UCLA basketball players um, who got they were over in um, China for a tournament, they got arrested for shoplifting. So, three black UCLA basketball players got arrested in China for shoplifting team came home without them they were left in China China's punishment for that would be 10 years in prison for shoplifting they when President Trump worked with Chinese got these three black basketball players released back to America they at least had the grace to thank President Trump for getting them out of a possible 10-year prison sentence in China's prisons um, and the dad of one of them is a professional I guess NBA player LeVar Ball who when he was asked wasn't it nice that President Trump did this said who Trump okay more on this after the break don't go away
2: could you lose your career because of your faith could your pastor be sued because of his sermons can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit firstliberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's firstliberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to firstliberty.org now.
1: You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org.
2: America faces unprecedented threats to our national security.
1: And welcome back to America Can We Talk. Okay, so someone texted me on the break. um, That story about UCLA basketball players, the person who would not acknowledge that President Trump had actually gone out of his way to get these three young UCLA basketball players who, you know, messed up. They were in China and they engaged in shoplifting and, you know, even there it's illegal. (laughs) But the person who wouldn't, to be precise, LeVar Ball is the father of Lonzo, who is an NBA player and one of the UCLA players caught in China, but he himself is not an NBA player. Uh, He's a PR-seeking grandstander, actually, is what someone texted me. But anyway, the point is, Unbelievable! This guy, you know, President Trump has gone out of the way to help China, to pressure China, really, to um, go ahead and let these young men come home, and um, and and you know, couldn't even get the the notion that you just would say. I mean, the three players. To be fair, to the three players who were facing 10 years in prison in China, at least all had the grace at a at press conference to say they apologize. They learned a big lesson. They won't do this again. They're very grateful. Thank you, President Trump, for uh, bringing about our release. And, um, but I, you know, there's some Americans just so dedicated to deploring President Trump and not giving him credit uh, no matter what, that they just could not give in and say, wow, thank goodness, he, he brought us home. I'm so glad these young men got to come home. Okay, so I had a bunch of other stories and crews through the news, but okay, I've put it off long enough. We have to talk about Roy Moore and Bill Clinton and Al Franken, you know, all these folks. But I'm going to start with just, you know, I, I know point, people have been talking about this, and I always try in the show not to get drawn in to the ugly you know, political, backstabby, you know, gotcha, because this show is really about preserving the unique greatness of America. And so trying to tie all of what we talk about to the the higher goal, the higher good of preserving this country. And so I want to start with a couple of kind of overarching points, uh, and then we can get to a bunch of more specifics. But one thing that I think has been actually a good thing out of this is that we've had so much um, discussion in this country uh, over the last decade or so, and more than that, you know, several decades, where we have been mocking, and not we, but the Democrat media mob, the left, mocks traditional morality, traditional marriage, the notion of, you know, um, just conducting your life in a manner consistent to some degree or to the best of your ability, consistent with morality. And so, you know, we have, we have, had so much occasion in the country to be kind of praising or, or ha- listening to Hollywood and the media and, and the music industry and the American left and the the, cult, the American leftist culture leaders, you know, mocking and deriding morality and uh, relating to uh, intimacy. And I'm really careful. I'll tell you, I have a friend, I know, I have actually a couple of friends whose kids listen to my show. So I'm going to word things in a careful way here, but... You know, we have mocked that notion that morality should be attached in any way to intimacy, and and so I, I think this is one healthy thing coming out of this is that actually, you know, human intimacy, adult intimacy, is tethered to morality and should be tethered to some sense of morality. So that's a good thing. that That's a good thing to come out of this. Um, and I also will say, you know, as a woman who I worked in a large corporate law firm, I I'm a lawyer. I Honestly, deeply appreciated that America had grown to the place where women can go to law school and women can be hired by major corporate law firms and women can succeed. And I've gone. I used to go over the stats a couple of years ago in the show quite often about how really how much progress women had made in America, how. In many leading law schools, women are the majority of graduates, medical school the same, rising numbers of women finishing and, 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 and performing and achieving in so many arenas. We have more more to go, but I'm actually truly deeply in favor of women having equal access to education, career, success, achievement All for it. It's part of the American dream. Correcting the inequities between men and women, um, legal inequities between men and women was a great step forward in my view for America. So, um, you know, I'm glad to have women speak up and not have to put up with um, sexual harassment um, in the workplace or anywhere else. I'm I'm in favor of that. So. That all said, here we are with Roy Moore. We are now in a place where I'm sure you're following this, but Jeff Sessions was the Alabama senator, and he is now, um, at least in name, the attorney general. He doesn't seem to be doing all that much right now, but he's the attorney general, and because President Trump appointed Jeff Sessions attorney general, we have an open seat in the Alabama Senate, and so there's a special election. So here we have Roy Moore as a Republican, and Roy Moore was... um, you know, he's served as a justice on the Supreme Court there. He's run for office. He's been in public eye and public life for decades. But now that we're down to this special election, I believe it's December 12th, so it's coming up very quickly, uh, this story emerges that uh, 30, 40 years ago, somewhere in that range, um, that Roy Moore engaged in inappropriate behavior toward underage girls, and, um, uh, you know, who are obviously now adults but i mean at the time they were underage girls is, is their their story and i think they're enough i don't know the right number i think there were three for a while maybe there are five people telling you know coming forward and saying these things are true so i don't know if they're true but i thought one thing that was interesting was and, and obviously uh, roy moore the candidate is denying they're true and you know the um i want to hit on three points one has to do with the um, how you figure out the truth. One has to do with the role of, the, of politics in all this. The third has to do with the ugliness and conduct of some people in Washington on the GOP side. But I'm going to start with people who've been working with Roy Moore. I have one clip I want to play tonight. And this, these are, this is a clip of women who came out of the press conference just a couple of days ago, speaking up on behalf of Roy Moore. I wanted to hear hear you here, have you hear what they have to say.
0: I've called this press conference today because I felt it was necessary to show the world, the media, the nation why we as women are united in our support for Judge Roy Moore. We want to help you understand the character of the man that we know. I assure you, we could have filled these steps with hundreds if not thousands of women who can attest to Roy Moore's professionalism, respectful behavior, and good character. We are women from all backgrounds. Some of us are single, some are married, some are wives, mothers, grandmothers, some are professional women, some are stay-at-home moms, some are college students. Some have worked with the judge or family friends, campaign volunteers, neighbors or fellow church attendees, but we do have one thing in
4: common. We personally know Judge Roy Moore. Statement by Suzelle Josie, Montgomery, Alabama. I would like to go on the record as stating I do not believe one single word allegation that has been brought against Judge Roy Moore. I have worked with Judge Moore since his very first campaign in 2000 for Chief Justice and every campaign he has been involved in since. I have served as volunteer, political consultant, and even spokesperson in some of the campaigns. I say this to let you know through all these years and all the close working conditions, never, not even one time, has Judge Moore even remotely said or have done anything that was inappropriate in any way that I experienced or even saw.
1: And I, I raise that to say, I don't, I have had that clip played I don't want to say that I know because those women came forward that the women who are making allegations against Roy Moore are not telling the truth. I don't know that. But I do, I raise it, I want to have you hear that because there are, have been statements by many people who know him who said, I've worked with the guy for, you know, 30 years. I've worked with his campaigns, worked in his office, known him and seen nothing like this. This is a, you know, this is a time where I, what I, I guess I'm going to get around to the, what the Republicans are doing in Washington in a second. But I and I know it's just a it can sound like a slogan to say, well, leave it to the voters. But actually, this is profoundly important in our democracy, in our in our Democratic Republic. To let the voters weigh what they hear these women saying and other supporters, what they hear the women who are saying that Judge Moore did act inappropriately 30 years ago, let those voters decide. That's the first thing they have. They really its their senator, their state, their senator. It is their job to decide. And and secondly, I will say that the Democrat opponent, the other guy that could choose, just came out again this week in an interview saying that he believes in late term and partial birth abortion. He agrees that the, of the, he says women have the right to choose up until the moment they, begin, they that they deliver their baby. Now, he's entitled to that pro-choice view, but people in Alabama, even they are entitled to think, you know what, even if Roy Moore did this, and I don't like it very much, my only two choices are a Democrat who would push for partial birth abortion and probably pl- fun and Planned Parenthood, or a guy whose behavior from 30 years ago I don't like, but... I'm thinking maybe he has improved, maybe he's not as bad as he's being portrayed, and they could choose Roy Moore even believing he did all this stuff. Folks, there's a lot more to discuss about this when we come back, so don't go away. Be right back.
0: most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org.
1: That's CIS.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader, and we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiades. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. They're nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org.
5: America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting.
1: And welcome back to America Can We Talk. You know, since this Roy Moore and Al Franken and Bill Clinton story has captured the news cycle, I want to spend a little more time talking about it because, you know, back to the star of the show, we were talking about what a change election it was in 2016, what the election signified about what the American people want. And one of the elements I did not mention, but there was a uh, sense in, in many voters who turned out to support President Trump that there is a growing secularization of America, a growing uh, disdain for Christianity, Christians being pushed to the side, the um, and, and just a sense we've lost that, that kind of culture of America that was rooted in some morality. And so it's an odd thing to say, but w- that element that brought President Trump into office is also in play here in this uh, primary, or not as the primaries over in the election uh, upcoming in Alabama. Uh, and actually those same voters who turned out for President Trump in favor of wanting a return to some sense of morality are frankly going to get, I think, getting behind Roy Moore. And the reason is this. I think there is a sense that, you know, Roy Moore ran campaigns and was in the public eye for decades. None of these stories came out. These stories of accusations against him came out. That doesn't mean they're not true. I I would not be, I wouldn't take the position, I know these women are making this up. I don't know whether they're telling the truth or not. But I do know that he is viewed as someone who's spoken up strongly for Christian values, Ten Commandments, uh, statue, he's spoken up for, you know, Christian ideas. And so I think that people see that this attack on him is not necessarily— it's certainly coming from the Democrats who, of course, want to win the election. They want the Democrat to win that seat, which would be a huge upset in Alabama to have a Democrat elected to Senate from Alabama. That would be shocking. But— you know the um, that a lot of people who like Roy Moore or liked him, they see this attack on him, even in part coming from the uh, and people use the expression the Uniparty in Washington that ha- we have. And I'm going to get into McConnell now. And his, his Senator McConnell, he is the the Senate Majority Leader, and he is in the middle of all of this. And this is the other thing I think the Alabama voters. They can kind of sense it. You don't have to be, you know, an, an inside baseball politician type, an inside baseball follower of politics to see there's something wrong with the way Senator McConnell has been involved in this election in Alabama. So here are the points to keep in mind and know as you assess this for yourself. You know, what you think, if you lived in Alabama, how would you vote? If you were forced to give your opinion on radio or somewhere, how would you respond? Senator McConnell is the big player. He's the head of a group that is a, um, a pack called America rising and America rising is, you know, intended to be a GOP pack, elect GOP, um, people, Republicans to the United States Senate. And so, in the primary, before Roy Moore won the primary, he was running against another guy. There was another Republican in that race called named Luther Strange, and Mitch McConnell got behind Luther Strange, a very moderate, uh, the term "rhino" if you like that, you know, but a moderate Republican. And so Luther Strange was very palatable to the GOP establishment in Washington. He's a guy who's going to do what Mitch McConnell tells him, and he's, a, he's just an establishment Republican, and that's who Mitch McConnell wanted. The voters of Alabama uh, rejected him. In the Republican primary, they had to choose between Luther Strange and Roy Moore, and Roy Moore won, hands down. So Roy Moore is a, a symbol of the rejection of the voters Um, In Alabama of the rejection of the establishment Republican in attitude in Washington and and more particularly Steve Bannon, very big supporter of President Trump, no longer in the administration, but still very much working. To elect conservatives Steve Bannon got behind Roy Moore so that primary in Alabama was seen as a kind of of tug-of-war within the GOP is it the Steve Bannon conservative wing or the Mitch McConnell establishment wing that is going to take charge of this Alabama primary and um, and who's can be able to convince the voters in Alabama for their guy and so Steve Bannon and Roy Moore his candidate won so Mitch McConnell, you know, he's been bested now already in the primary by Steve Bannon, so he doesn't like that. He doesn't like Steve Bannon. He doesn't. Mitch McConnell does not like conservatives. He does not like people who have this. This. Uh, f- he doesn't like President Trump, and he doesn't like these people with a fire in the belly for America who are very, very upset with the GOP establishment. So Mitch McConnell sees a guy like Roy Moore as a threat. Because Roy Moore is not going to come to Washington and salute to Mitch McConnell. So Mitch McConnell has piled on Roy Moore. I mean, he first came out almost instantly when these allegations were raised, uh, saying, well, these are true and he needs to go. And pretty soon he got around to he needs to go. He needs to drop out. So Mitch McConnell is very much in the camp of saying, you know, that Roy Moore, because these allegations, unproven, unproven, that, that Roy Moore should get out of the race. And there is, and I I mentioned at the start of the show, I was in Washington last week and talking with some people very, very, very involved at a high level in the GOP um, people. We're talking about the fact that America Rising, that the um, PAC that has millions of dollars and is controlled by McConnell, appear to be behind this hit on Roy Moore. You have to let that sink in. It appears that McConnell and America Rising are the ones that are pushing this narrative, this story, and trying to attack Roy Moore by bringing out these women and their statements about him. So this is you know egregious beyond belief, if that's true, and there are hints at it. In fact, last week, Roy Moore said in some speech or statement, you know, I think a lot of you, my followers and supporters, are figuring out that this is Mitch McConnell behind these attacks on me. So, you know, back to being a voter in Alabama. I actually, have a couple other quick things about this story, of these women. Number one, uh, this woman who claimed that Roy Moore signed her yearbook, and he signed it in her super friendly way and she was how old she was at the time 16 or 17 or whatever she was not a, she was a minor um, that he signed it in a way that sounded kind of friendly and familiar well now the uh, handwriting experts have come out and saying that's not Roy Moore's signature and so the um, Roy Moore team is demanding that Gloria Allred the attorney for this woman who's who's uh, claiming Roy Moore assaulted her um, in some way um, in, you know inappropriately when she was a minor Gloria Allred won't release the yearbook. I mean, if, if you're sure, in fact, there's two-color ink. I mean, it's just the claim is it's not his signature. That's a huge hole in the story of, this, of these people attacking Roy Moore. Second huge hole in this story is that one of these women who complained said she worked at the mall, and Roy Moore used to come see her at the mall and harass her and bother her to the point the mall banned him from coming. And you know that sounded that's pretty egregious if you're behaving that badly. But actually, now the manager of that mall has come out in in a statement, and I'm not going to be able to find it fast enough. But I have his story here. The manager of that mall has come out and said, you know, no, actually, um, I, he was the manager of the mall for, I mean, decades. He said, I don't remember anything like that, you know. And basically, I think I'd remember if he who he was. He was a public figure. I don't remember that. So, the person who was quoted saying that Roy Moore got banned from the mall was a mall employee who was immediately soon to be credible, media covered it and took the took the story and, and off it went. And I know that all I'm saying, folks, can sound like I'm a big Roy Moore supporter. I I never met the man and I I am not claiming I know what was true 40 years ago. I do believe he's had a life of service to this country. You know, he went to the Naval Academy, he served in the military, he's you know, he's served in, in public and he's got, you know, women coming out saying I'll work with him for decades. This isn't this isn't who he is. I just think that the GOP pile on him from Washington, and it's not just Mitch McConnell but John McCain and a lot of other Republicans is just not their job to do. It's the job of the voters to decide I believe him, I don't believe him, or even if I believe the women, um, I still don't want a, you know, pro partial birth abortion senator representing me from Alabama. There are ways this could be handled that would let the voters decide. But this virtue signaling by so many people in Washington deciding I want to be seen as in favor of women and I want to be seen as someone standing up for women. So they're willing to pile on him without knowing what the facts are. And then let's go over to Al Franken, Minnesota senator, who's now pictures of his lewd conduct. And all Mitch McConnell can say is, well, I think we better refer him to the Judiciary Committee. I mean, to the Ethics Committee. So the you know juxtaposition of a candidate with no proven wrongdoing, Roy Moore, but lots of people claiming wrongdoing from 40 years ago, should drop out and must be banished, will be kicked out of the Senate if he's elected, blah, blah. A senator who's sitting senator, whose conduct is proven by pictures and All that McConnell can say is um, we should refer this to the Ethics Committee, and they'll make this last point before um, Greg starts playing music on my ear when I'm trying to talk. But I want to tell you something to keep in mind about this. Referring to the Ethics Committee, between 2007 and 2016, the Senate Ethics Committee imposed zero sanctions against anyone. 613 allegations, 75 preliminary investigations, zero charges Zero sanctions against anyone. Saying to ethics is like saying, I'm going to make it go away and come right back.
2: On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes' hope home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to
5: learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. There's a lot of talk today among media and academia in our culture about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers, it's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield.
2: Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit firstliberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's firstliberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now.
0: Can you
1: hear us now? And welcome back to American Can We Talk. I was going to mention, uh, I always mean to do this and start of the show, and then I always get rolling. And then I, uh, so I wanted to it right now. First, I wanted to say... I thank everyone who is uh, watching on Facebook live we have the show you may be hearing it in radio. You can go to Facebook Live at America Can We Talk and watch it there. It says people are liking. That's nice. Um, also, um, people email me. I have a radio email address, which is Talk at gmail.com. And I do get really interesting emails and, and people say, why don't you ever talk about this or what do you think about this? I really welcome your input that way. We also have a 24-hour studio line that you can leave questions or comments and I will play them on air. I really really like if they can be under a minute or even really under 30 seconds but the number to call to do that and I'd love to play your comments or questions on air is 214-556-5659 so love to have your input um and then the other uh, so and and plus, I, I want to mention again, I love doing this show. I love talking with you about America. I love bringing a, a a woman's conservative, educated voice to the issues facing America, because, as I said, at the start of the show, preserving America is every generation's job, and we need to be, you know, savvy, patriotic. America-loving, thoughtful citizenry is is really needed to preserve a country that is ruled by we the people and not we the ruling class. We all need to feel like we're part of that. Okay, one other thing I want to hit on this whole Roy Moore thing versus Al Franken is there have been a few Democrat senators who are willing to pile on Democrat Senator Al Franken and say, well— you know this this doesn't this sounds bad this is doesn't look good he this should go to ethics committee and as i mentioned before the break that's like saying we're going to do absolutely nothing about this we're going to have a, a line we can say to the public oh yeah we're going to the ethics committee that'll teach them they never do anything it's just a way to sound to the public like they're doing something, but they don't. And I did, by the way, find the comment by the um, the mall manager of Gadsden Mall, where Roy Moore was supposedly banned, um, Gadsden Mall, from 1981 to 1996. The guy had a job a long time. said, uh-uh, no. One mall employee claimed that was true. So these are kind of things, to really know what's true or not, um, I don't know how we get there, but I do think that both... The voters are the ones in, in Alabama who has to figure this out, who have to figure this out. Um, and the pile on by Washington, by the GOP, is not something you see paralleled by the Democrats ever. If you've seen this crass picture of um, Al Franken, and you got another guy, when even when he was a comedian, you know, he was crass. This never bothers the Democrats, even when this picture comes out. The most they'll say is, well, yeah, maybe we we'll go to the Ethics Committee. They're not saying the kind of things that Mitch McConnell is saying, that John McCain is saying. They're not saying that he should step down. This is awful. He will not serve. We will kick him out. All this virtue signaling by stuff that is allegations from 40 years ago, it just, it, to me, is disingenuous. It's much more about not wanting Steve Bannon's choice to win in Alabama and win that Senate seat because he's this Senate seat was something that Mitch McConnell and the establishment wanted to get another establishment guy to come and sit in. And so um, I guess, I guess I'll leave that alone, but I'm just, the story matters. It matters in terms of the the American public being given the right to actually be the one, the voters deciding. Um, And it matters because it is a, um, it's unconscionable if it's really not true. And if it is true, as I said at the start, I want women to speak up and I and I want them to not fear the consequences of speaking up. But, you know, it's, it's a funny thing. I, I, one more point on all this. One of my best friends from law school became uh, part of what she did in her legal career was she began to represent uh, children in um, in sex abuse cases. And so she would uh you know represent them against um you know proceedings of various kinds and so she said there was a saying that became popular which if she was when she was active doing this which was believe the child and it was treated kind of like an absolute if a child said this happened and this person did it believe them you don't question them you don't doubt you don't that that is rock solid and i never could agree with that because i think you always have to investigate I think cases have turned out to where there was a gross exaggeration or there was a uh, a fantasy planted by questioners or there was a the child was complaining but he the, or she the child was afraid to say who was really abusing them so they accused someone falsely I know of cases like that I mean not my personal life but I mean I know of cases like that So in the same way with respect to women, I want women to speak up, but this believe the woman mantra is very similar to believe the child. And the truth is women actually should speak up when they have actually been the recipient, the victim of sexual harassment. And not every single person who makes a claim like that is telling the truth. Remember the Duke lacrosse case. Just one example. A, I mean, a team practically went down. A school was just wrapped up in in uh, turmoil and outrage. And just, you know, people were, the virtue signaling was a competition practically. And then the truth was, it hadn't happened. And there are other cases like that. So they're just, I, I want justice and I want truth and I want the... Um, And I want the recognition that's very easy to jump to conclusions and very easy for politicians who want to be seen as heroes to say things when they're not really sure, they don't have the facts to justify what they're saying. Okay, enough of Roy Moore. I want I want this election to be over with, and I really hope that the people of Alabama, um, you know, look closely at the allegations and the supporters of uh, uh, Roy Moore and the people who are saying that these things occurred, and, and reach a decision. And it's not the place of the GOP in the Senate in Washington to overrule, because this is what they're talking about, is if Roy Moore wins, we'll refuse to seat him. We won't let him be in the Senate. That would be an outrage. The notion that the GOP would sanctimoniously decide we know better than the voters, and we're not going to let him be seated as a senator even when the people voted for him, I really hope that doesn't, doesn't come to that, because that would really be a big slap across the face of the American voter. Okay. One last thing I want to hit tonight in this extremely short two hours, which races by every week too quickly, is this. Um, You know, we talk on this show a lot about... Um, The Mueller investigation and this alleged collusion between President Trump and Russia, which is now, you know, there's just had no evidence is emerging. I mean, there is zero, nada. And now Mueller, uh, who is a special counsel appointed by the FBI, by the um, Department of Justice, and he's still investigating. He's got a team of like 17 lawyers, nearly all of whom are Clinton supporters and Trump haters on his team investigating. And they're just digging into everything that that anyone affiliated with Trump has ever done, which is just a horrible abuse of the of the um, purpose of the special counsel, but the reason I'm raising it tonight is this. So Mueller is on a roll. He has indicted Manafort, and, and, and Manafort's another guy who is associated with Paul Manafort, but you know, he's going forward, but there was the most brilliant and brave thing published this week by a true leader in Washington, a true conservative leader in Washington. And that is Congressman Mark Meadows, Congressman Mark Meadows, which was that Mark Meadows was a um, you know, he's the leader of the Freedom Caucus. He is the um, he's the outspoken person who is just uh, Speaking up on so many issues, he had an editorial he published in Fox News where he basically said, it's about time to acknowledge there's nothing to this Mueller thing, that no proof is coming out. And he talks about, you know, that this Congress has to follow where the facts are. And so what he came around to saying was he is advocating for a special counsel to investigate the Russian dossier, which... We've talked about that many times in the show. The the uh, dossier has this fancy name. It's just an investigative piece printed by this Christopher Steele guy, a British spy hired by a law firm in America. Law firm having been retained by Hillary Clinton. So to connect the dots, Hillary Clinton is paying to have some spy dig in in Russia to find something bad about Trump. Nothing in the dossier has ever been proven true. Nothing. In fact, numerous things have been disproven and and what the point mark meadows is making and this is just i'm mean, this is a teaser for future shows we're gonna to have to talk about this more but what mark meadows is saying is in april of 2016 the clinton campaign enlisted this law firm perkins um, Coey, that retained this fusion gps firm that in turn retained the investigator and came who came up with the russian dossier well, that very same month the same month that Hillary, April 2016, is paying the law firm, President Obama's campaign began paying more than $900,000 to Perkins Coe Okay, President Obama wasn't running anymore. I mean, he's done. He's going to be, you know, he's in his last year of his presidency. He's on the downside, downslope. He's paying the same law firm, and Mark Meadows is making the point, why is Obama's FBI, and Obama's FBI got in the middle of this Russian dossier thing on, in numerous different ways, and what and Mark Meadows is bravely saying, can we please start to investigate the real story here? Can we please, you know— Give it a break. We don't have any proof of this Russian Trump, you know, collusion, which was just Hillary's excuse for losing the election. We now see and here's the questions that Mark Meadows is saying we should ask. Why did President Obama's campaign begin paying almost a million dollars to the same law firm the Clinton campaign used to fund this fake Russian dossier? Why did they begin making payments the same month the Clinton campaign began paying for the dossier? Why did President Obama's FBI attempt to pay Christopher Steele, the Russian spy who came up with the dossier, for the dossier? Why is Obama's team trying to buy this dossier? Why was President Obama's FBI involved in paying for a political project the Clinton campaign was orchestrating? I mean, these are serious, substantive questions, and I really just want to give a shout-out, number one, to Mark Meadows. He, and he goes on and on describing all the questions that really should be asked, that there should be a special counsel investigating why in the world your tax dollars were being used by the FBI to facilitate, cooperate, and be involved in a campaign stunt by the Hillary Clinton campaign to come up with something to destroy Donald Trump. Why were your tax dollars being used to help her do that? Why was the FBI so helpful to all this effort? And, folks, these are serious questions, and he's also the serious kind of leader we need in Washington. You know, folks, we're sadly out of time. Every week I have about 25 more stories than I have time to talk with you about. Love talking to you each week. Tune in on Facebook, on on our website. Come to AmericaCanWeTalk.org, and I'll talk to you next week.
0: To America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America.